can it be a happy new year when resolutions have already failed? That's what we're talking about in this episode. How do you feel about New Year's resolutions? And if you made them, how are you doing? So in our last episode, I talked to two people, one a grandparent and the other a long distance parent about their thoughts regarding the new year. And they talked about their goals for their businesses and also their goals for their own families. I mentioned that what I most wanted for this year was threefold. I talked about how I wanted to be more affirming to my grandkids. I wanted to be more observant with them and what they like and what they don't like. And I wanted to play more with them. Those are my things that I was thinking about for the new year. And I wanted to bring Mike in to talk a little bit about his ideas. I mentioned in the prior episode that Mike doesn't like resolutions. So, Mike, why don't you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Hi. I have, um, I guess I have a, a sort of an unsuccessful history with resolutions in particular and commitments in general. It's just really tough for me to keep them. I've felt that way a long time. And finally this year, I found someone who gives words to that feeling of mine. Her name is Faith Hill. Mm -hmm. She's a writer for The Atlantic, and she has written an essay called Resolutions Are Not the Vibe for 2022. Okay. Now, her thing is that in in a year which will unfold in such an uncertain way that choosing new goals feels like setting forth in a snowstorm, squinting into a great blurry expanse. She says she's resolved not to make any new resolutions this year, and she says, I don't think you should either. Wow, that sounds pretty dire. And it's fairly specific about where we sit at the end of the second year of the pandemic. So I don't want to use that as an excuse, but she goes on to say this. When we assess our personal progress in terms of a resolution, I will set forth and do this, it tends to lead us to aspire to things that we can cross off a list. Mm -hmm. You're a big one on crossing things off the list. I do like to cross things off a list. And, And that's great. But doing so shapes our behavior around that which we can measure. We often measure the things that are just easy to measure, and it may not be what we really want to do. So... You know, when it comes to uh, deciding what I'm going to establish as a New Year's resolution, it begs the question, can you count whether you've done it or not? Well, that throws a lot of things off the table. And what I'm left with is things that will stand or fall in the cold light of did you do it or not do it. I'm not so good at that. And I don't need to feel bad about those things. I have enough to feel bad about. <laughs> so so I don't want to add failed New Year's resolutions to the list of things that are candidates for me to feel bad about. Okay. Well, you know, first of all, I have to, I have a little bone to pick with you about that because you said you're not good at commitments, but hey, we've been married for 40 years. So that's one thing you can keep on your list. Okay. So it wasn't easy. (laughs) Remember one of my employers told me once that I, um, that that I'm, I'm too committed sometimes. Oh, okay. So there you go. Yeah. I don't think it's commitment. I think it's, you don't like to fail. Yeah, this whole idea of measuring a thing that Mm -hmm. you can clearly say either didn't or did, failed or passed. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time with that. Yeah. I actually like the structure of picking something to change or improve. I kind of like that. Like, I, you know me, I, I mean, I'm always crossing off the days on the calendar and I have all these things planned and then I check them off each day. And to me, it feels like an accomplishment. I'm I'm more of a process person, Mm. less of a results person. Mm -hmm. 
If the process is well thought, it's efficient, it gets done well, I'm really happy about that. So the long term, like for a whole year, New Year's resolution doesn't work for you? Because it's really only about the results. It's not about did you try? Did you think it through? Did you pick the right thing? It's just did you get it done or not? Is okay. It, can it be checked off the list or not? If not, you failed. I see. And the mm. process that fed into that, the work, the refinement, the nurture that went behind that doesn't count. Mm, I see. That article by Faith Hill, I think at the end, did she talk about how she was going to come up with some other things that were important to her that she was going to try to do over the span of a year? Right. Here's what she says. I've started putting together a list of small good things from the year that ended. I got to go home. I got to bake tomato bread pudding with my family, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. These aren't accomplishments, she says. They're more like gratitudes or bright points or road signs for my future self to follow. They remind me that my life can be beautifully inconsequential. And the things that make me most human are not particularly unique or impressive. End quote. That's Faith Hill, an associate editor at The Atlantic. Hmm. Well, I don't think that's a bad idea to go back and look at the things that were good about the year that you just finished. Oh, especially a year like this yeah. last one, as hard yeah. as it was for, in so many ways, for almost everyone. Yeah. And actually, I think I, I might find that harder to do. So <laughs> now why would that be? I don't know. I, I think it's hard. To, it's almost like tooting your own horn, but at the same time, it isn't. It's like patting yourself on the back, but at this, I don't know. That's what it feels like. Well, if you, uh, maybe we should focus on the fact that, what does she call them? She calls them gratitudes. Yeah. And that is easy for you. Yeah. You are good at that. Well, I hope. I, I think, so I'm going to have to think about that. I know uh, one of our daughters uh, posted a thing about that, all the things that she was grateful for during this last year. There it is. And yeah, I, I, it made me cry, actually, because I was just like, oh, it's a hard year. I'm, I'm glad she got that out of it, at least. I want to talk a little bit about the three things that I had put on my list as New Year's resolutions. Um, one was to be more affirming to my grands. So when we were there with them, uh, there were the four of them that don't live close by. I think I did a pretty good job of that. I think I did say some really affirming things to them, definitely about how I love them and, and how they did such a good job on certain projects they were working on, their Lego project or their what was that Nintendo Switch thing that, that one of them was working on and one of them read a book and was doing such a good job. And so I think I did at least try to get that in. So, and of course, this is a full year's resolution. It's not just one day. So, you know, we were there for the, a week and I think I, I worked at that. Do you, how do you feel like you did? I did better than I have in the past. Uh, mm -hmm. it, takes, it takes being intentional. It also takes kind of being at the ready so that you can strike when the moment presents itself. There right. are so many activities and distractions that grandchildren find themselves sucked into, even when school is not in session, as it was right. uh, you know, this week between the two holidays. And so um, you have to be ready. I wasn't always ready. Some, yeah. Sometimes I was, I was not there. This is a habit, though, that you, for yourself, have formed. The it's a practice. The affirming that comes from intentionality is something... 
that you have practiced a bit. Yeah. So that in itself makes it an easier New Year's resolution for you to have and one that you can be more confident in achieving. I think that makes it a little special. Yeah. Let's go to the hard ones. <laughs> well, okay, so the next one is to be more observant with them and what they like and they don't like. And one of the things that we talked about in our trip down to see them was, hey, let's be less on our phones. Let's make sure we put our phones down and watch what they're doing and pay attention. And I even actually had asked them a few times, like, what's your favorite candy or what kind of books do you like or, you know, what, what are you doing at school that you enjoy? I'd ask them more questions. Do you know if you did that no, as much? No, I did not. Yeah. Well, you did put your phone down a lot more. I did. So you were present, and that's really part of being observant, I think. Yeah. And then the last one was to play more with them. Now, there's one thing that made that a little easier, and that was that it just they just finished opening their presents. So there was a lot of stuff to play with. Um, all sorts of cool games and things that we could do. And I know you sat on the floor and played, and I did too. Yeah. We were a little better at that. One of our sons-in-law says the way to make sure that people respond to you is to show that you're interested in things that they are interested in. Hmm. There are some online games that our grandchildren play that I have really zero interest in. <laughs> uh, but Which is weird because I'm a computer kind of person. Yeah, that is weird. Um, but... Uh, that's something I need to get better at. Yeah. I did sit down with, well, I remember especially one of them, and I was like, is that you? Because I, I was trying to figure out you if were pointing it was it an, to an avatar. avatar right. I was like, is that you? Because it didn't exactly look like her. Oh, yeah, that's me. And I asked her what she was doing and all that kind of stuff. So that's good. So I was better at playing with them, but still, oh, man, it's a stretch. I don't want to get down on the floor, not because it's hard to get down on the floor. It's just I'd rather not sit down on the floor and play a game. But um, I did do it, and I was proud of myself for that. So pat on the back to me for that. <laughs> there pat, you go. I'm pat, better pat, at pat. it. <laughs> you can't really see it. I'm better at it than I thought. Than a podcast. So that's kind of where we're at with New Year's resolutions. We are not uh, great at them, but we're trying, and that's what's most important. Um, well, just to be clear, I am not signing up for your New Year's resolutions. I know. Because they're New Year's resolutions. I know. Okay. I know. We'll take a So how are you doing in your creation of New Year's resolutions, if you have some? And how are you evaluating what's happening in your life in terms of the way you want things to change or get better? I mentioned in the last episode that my father was in the hospital in ICU. I thought about that a lot as I was writing the Stretch It Takes essay. And while it it does have something to do with New Year's resolutions. It also has something to do with how we are thinking about ourselves as we grow older and how we think about ourselves when we are the children of parents who are growing older. So as you listen to this essay, uh, think about how you fit in the 
grand scheme of things in terms of being part of the club sandwich generation that I'm going to talk about and how you fit into taking care of your parents and how you fit into being the elderly person once your parents are gone and you are the ones that need to be taken care of. And I think this is really important when we're looking at a new year, not just for this year, but for our lives going forward. Playwright George Bernard Shaw once wrote, We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. I believe the same things can be said about almost anything that we associate with growing old. In this week's The Stretch It Takes, I want to encourage all of you who are caught in the middle of what is called the club sandwich generation. Specifically, I'm writing about those of us who are caring for aging parents. I know many of you are in this spot and I'm right there with you. So as we start a new year, let's take time to stretch those relationship muscles with the ones who have gone before us, our aging parents, and those who are coming up behind us, our adult children and our grandchildren. Consider how you want to handle this period of time and how you plan on handling it when you become the elderly one. It's not easy, and it's not always fun, but it's going to happen to us all, so we might as well keep ourselves limber for the road ahead or we'll end up falling flat on our face. I saw something on Instagram recently that suggested instead of a list of New Year's resolutions, we should all just talk about a New Year's practice. The reason this works is that a resolution can come with a sense of defeat. Once we break it, once we eat that donut or fail to do our yoga or stop calling our parents once a week, we feel a sense of shame about it. And then we just stop. For most of us, New Year's resolutions last only a few weeks before we've given up. There's a fitness company that tracks the date that its customers first fail on their New Year's resolutions, and it calls the average of those dates Quitter's Day. There's some shame for you. What if instead we just called it a practice? We are going to try to do something differently, and if we fail at it, we just try again. We practice something for the new year instead of resolving to do something different. We all know that practice means trying and failing, and then trying and failing again until we get it right. It doesn't mean a perfect record of doing it right. This new year is bringing with it for me a chance to practice. I am dealing with the loss of my father, who is quickly nearing the end of his life. Hospice looks imminent, and my mother is mourning the loss of both her husband and her one connection to independence. She is legally blind, and depends on my dad for almost everything. She will now have to figure out how to go it alone, or how to ask for help. Neither of these seem to her like great alternatives. So my sisters and I are now in a new stage of long-distance childing. I mean, is that even a thing? We don't live down the street from my mom, and so now we have to figure out what to do from homes that range from an hour's drive away to a two-day's drive away. It's a steep learning curve for all of us, and it's going to take more than a resolution. It's going to take some practice. 
Before this all happened, I had ordered a book titled Stupid Things I Won't Do When I Get Old. I wanted to read the book because I was seeing things that my parents were doing that I just didn't want to do to my own children, like driving when you become a threat to others, refusing to get a hearing aid, and not planning for my own death. Author Steve Petro is an award-winning writer for The Washington Post and frequent contributor to The New York Times. He is also an active member of the Association of LGBTQ Journalists. So if that fact gives you some pause you might be uncomfortable reading his essays. I, however, appreciate his candor. While I at first was put off by the word stupid in the title, the author comes to realize that what his parents do and do not do is less about stupid and more about habit and inability to adapt. So here we all are in the new year. It's time to flex, adapt, and find new ways to deal with whatever life throws at us. It will prepare us for the future, for our own future that involves our adult children and our grandchildren. Will we decline to go out to a restaurant with our grandchildren since we don't have a hearing aid and can't hear what they're saying? Will we insist on telling the same story over and over to them? Will we refuse to use a cane or walker when we need one? Will we maintain our own community of friends so we're not solely dependent on our adult kids and our older grandchildren? These are questions I am asking myself as I enter the new year. I am listening to writers, podcasters, and friends who have gone before me in the difficult journey of caring for and trying to respect their parents. It is not something I am resolving to do. It is something I am practicing. I've already failed many times to properly care for and respect my folks since the new year began, but I understand that comes with trying, and I have a full year to get better at my New Year's practice of aging gracefully as my mom ages ahead of me. No matter how much she wants to stay put in the past, we are all going to have to forge ahead towards the future. The question is, what do I want that future to look like? I wanted to mention that I heard from a podcast listener, Carol Miller, about New Year's resolutions that she is instituting with her adult kids and grandkids. She writes, I listened to your podcast today about New Year's resolutions. I don't usually do them, but this year I decided that my resolution is to have a lunch or a happy hour or dinner date with each of the adult parents of our grandchildren, those who live nearby every six weeks. Of course, this is something I'll propose to them. They will need to think it's a good idea, too. I realize that we don't have much time for in-depth conversations, and I want time for that. I'm contemplating having a topic or a question we might talk about, but I'm also open to whatever they want to do. Great idea, Carol. I think what I most like about this is that it helps you as the parent not feel so hungry for time with your adult children when you're together with them and your grandchildren for family gatherings. I need to think about doing that, too. I, I always love a walk or a cup of coffee alone with my adult children, and it might be good to keep that as a priority this year. Thanks so much for sharing this with our listeners. And if any of the rest of you have something to share, please email me at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 317-572-7876. 
I would also appreciate a review of the podcast or you're sharing the podcast with someone you know who might enjoy it. Post a link on your Facebook page or tell them about it over lunch or in a conversation. Thank you so much. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us each week in Living the Grand Life. Music